This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, innovations in enrollment management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. Greg, I was thinking about uh, a couple of years ago when we did that uh, mystery shop of education fairs, and we looked and, and we measured um, uh, how likely the, the people at the booths, the schools that were presenting at the fair, were to try how how likely they were to try to capture us as a lead. And and as I recall, it was something like uh, eight out of twenty-one or nine out of twenty-one. It was less than half used it as a legitimate lead generator. So they were there kind of um, uh, as a PR tactic. Do you recall that? Yes. I remember that. There was, we did two mystery shops. One was 8 out of 21, uh, and one was 2 out of 45. Right, yes. It's brutal. So I was thinking about that today, this morning, as we were getting ready for this, and I was thinking about what, what a great opportunity for the school that is willing to create accountability around education fairs or any any out, out um, like external um, marketing. Uh, I also read an article yesterday on on what they're predicting the next dot-com crash, which is going to – they're predicting the dot-com crash is going to be largely based on the failure of online advertising to work. Interesting. And, and that there's a growth and emergence in TV and radio um, – local TV and radio because this promise of, you know, the I know, online advertising has largely failed and is being propped up through misrepresentation of a number of the advertisers. Now, there are a few exceptions we'll talk about when we get to lead gen, but I see those as related in that um, most, most marketing has moved heavily to online at the cost of local advertising, TV and radio, and, and at the cost of kind of local outreach efforts. Yet most schools operate within a community, right? And it's still a community, and there's geographical boundaries on, those, on that community. So that is an opportunity to create buzz, find people, be visible, I think is an important tactic. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And um, to that end, you know, there's people poo-poo like radio as an example. However, um, here, like here's the tactic, folks, where radio can be used very effectively. Um, the, you know, schools are like hotels or like airlines. Uh, there's a break-even point, uh, and then all the the seats uh, beyond the break-even point, represent almost 100% profit. So when you hit your break-even point on an intake, um, then who cares if uh, it costs 40% of your revenue to make a sale? Um, 40% of your revenue is because it's, it's all profit. And so radio, if you have a campaign that's in your hip pocket, that is, uh, you can pull out two weeks, three weeks prior to deadline. Once you hit your break-even point, you do that sharp, high-frequency uh, high campaign, and you, you kill a couple birds with one stone. You drive uh, students to your profit seats, and you create community buzz. Radio is a fantastic vehicle uh, 
for community. So that's my two bits. Yeah, great insight. Tom, did you ever um, find yourself using radio when you were uh, running your school in the Midwest there? Tom, are you there? No. Okay, Tom's had trouble with the uh, the phone here. So, you know, Shane, it really is interesting. So radio is right. at one. Oh, there we go. All right. Um, I think I got re-muted uh, when you guys did that last thing. So um, we did not use a lot of radio. I didn't find TV and radio um, as effective of a medium uh, for, for, for our particular uh, type of school uh, because it served a very general populace as opposed to a more targeted campaign. I'm I'm a big proponent of targeting your prospects as opposed to just blasting stuff everywhere and then trying and hoping that someone who actually fits in your target demographic would actually be listening or watching, um, which is kind of why I, I probably shied away from, from radio and, and TV more and spent a lot but, more time with high school um, well, or uh, okay. particular you know, list okay. or something. All right, fair. So Shane, you had a response. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Tom, but you guys also had a really um, uh, creative and unusual outreach effort. Like you had an outbound admissions force, as I recall. Can you describe that? Yeah, we had a, a, a large um, high school admissions uh, program um, of some, some really great people that uh, spent a lot of time going into the, you know, the high schools and the career centers um, in our target territory. So we were able to expand our target territory outside of local um, and go multi-states. In fact, we are in over 20 states um, with refs feeding to, to our campus because we wanted to be a destination school uh, and not just a, a, a regional school. And I, but, uh, Tom, if I can interrupt to Shane's yeah. point, he's talking about something different in that it's um, the, the uh, there's that – 20, 30-mile radius with the, the school, the, the business unit that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It, uh, radio and TV, Shane, what you're saying is can create uh, intimacy around the, the connecting the school into the community, and you're saying that radio and TV could be a, an interesting tactic to, to do that kind of thing. Is that correct? Yeah, I think within a local market, if you're if – you're, mm-hmm. uh, uh, part of a uh, uh, like a local community, it, it's a valid uh, communication tactic. Got it. Just to, uh, to expand on just a tad too, um, one of the things that we're finding right now that's really working well um, is Pandora Radio because with Pandora, you can actually pick zip codes and you can pick target demographics. So as opposed to a radio station that may have a much larger demographic, um, it's a little cheaper. Um, schools are finding some pretty good success with Pandora, um, even whether it's their local market or what have you, because they can target um, the age, the gender, potentially other skill sets, and the zip codes that they want um, and be pretty targeted. Uh, and I'm seeing a lot of success with that. Now, targeting aside, I think what we're talking about here is the way to create buzz is through intimacy, I think is really what Shane's getting at, and that is where um, 
to create buzz, you want to create an emotional connection. And in, in doing so, um, you create uh, that deep pull for people to take an action. And so the targeting conversation is correct. But really, I think what Shane's getting at is like third-party Internet leads are really driving down the business model of digital marketing um, because it's a false promise. Whereas something like radio, whether it's Pandora, whether it's, you know, traditional uh, radio as an example, uh, bring a promise of intimacy uh, and relate, you can build relationships through radio and the theater, theater of the mind and all that kind of good stuff. Um, YouTube, uh, creating little videos. Uh, uh, again, another potential way to go and create intimacy. Shane, do you, do you want to expand on that a touch? Yeah, and actually I want to share a current test we have running along these lines that is currently winning by a, a pretty big margin. So along, and it, it ties into both do not lie and this, and this notion of intimacy. So we're currently running a split test where we've got one version of the website that, of a website that has um, kind of stock photography and they're all nice photos and they're smiling, beautiful people. Um, and this is a school that's got a, a regional geographic footprint. You know, it's 30 miles around the school is their marketing area. And uh, the, the test is uh, authentic photos of real students. The quality of the photography is not as good. You know, the people look like real people. They don't look like models. Um, but it's a more accurate representation of the school and the student body. And what's really interesting is that the authentic photos are winning currently by a bit more than 30%. So we're generating 30% more inquiries from those authentic photos than we are from the stock photography. And I think it speaks to both what we're talking about, that, that kind of intimacy and the, the truthfulness, right? It just it, it tells the story more accurately, and as a result, um, uh, are, are getting more engagement with prospects. So, Shane, what you're saying is that um, somebody looks at those photographs and they, then they, they juxtapose that against their circle of friends and they say to themselves, do I have any friends that are model, have model looks with gleaming white teeth? No, 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 no. And then they go, and then they call bullshit. Yeah, and it's, it could be subconscious, right? They, you know, there's... Uh, yeah, there's subconscious stuff at play. But bottom line, it's empirical proof that authenticity and that intimacy you're talking about is a better tactic for um, getting prospective students interested in you. So, Steve, Steve, what's your thoughts on Shane's comment here? You've been sitting in the wings. You know, and let me frame this up. So... Um, Steve, you, you know, you guys at Velocify have done some really cool studies where you say, actually, if the leads are of high quality, admissions reps only need 20, 30, 40 leads a month instead of what the sales trainers say is like 100. So going with that, 20, 30, 40 leads a month, uh, to Shane and Tom's point is you really want to have those leads to be very high quality. And then... For them to be high quality, they have to be truthful and relatable. 
Um, do you want to do you want to speak to that? Um, you know, I I, uh, I would, but I just as far as the, the the marketing segment and the quality of the leads, I think that you know you want to you want to focus on as many quality leads as you can and get those into the best people's hands that that you see fit to work those inquiries. Um, if you have really high lead quality, you don't need as much volume. That's what I would say. And you can maximize your, your talent a little bit better. That's really how I'd, I'd kind of sum that one up. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Um, so Shane, back to you. So really to this end then, if it's going to be, uh, if it, really this is the one tip. If people follow this tip, and go through all of their lead generation tools and all of their um, their conversion, their landing pages, and people just went and looked at the photography, looked at what's written, and ensured that it was truthful, fulsome, and relatable. You know, what you're saying is that the conversion rates, the quality of the leads will go way, way up. Is that kind of really what you're getting at? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I want to clarify two things. One, conversion rate for this example means the number of visitors that convert to a lead, so the mm-hmm. amount of people that are there. Two, I just looked at the stat to make sure, you know, in the spirit of do not lie, and currently the, the authentic photography is winning by 28.5%. So, you know, if you generate 100 leads a month, that's another 28 and a half times, I don't know, 10% conversion rate, that's another, what, two, three enrollments, two and a half enrollments. That's, uh, what is that? Large. Money? Yeah. yeah. So, so, Tom. Grand a month? Yeah, big time. So, so Tom, um, really what's ironic, it's counterintuitive what Shane is getting at is that to be persuasive, you should be really non-persuasive. Yeah, there's... It, it's really about, I still think, getting to the right people and having that, that truthful, the, the truthful message or the correct message. Um, pers- you know, the amount of persuasiveness that comes through um, is really going to be when it makes a connection with the right people. Um, they'll be persuaded to take action as opposed to the copy being persuasive, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that's a different section. So what we're talking about here is generating the buzz, which drives people into the uh, uh, into that admissions funnel. So um, in terms of writing ad copy, in terms of um, you know um, connecting, sparking with somebody when there's no human there to to do the interaction personally. Um, Really, it's about talking in an empathetic, full way that's really non-persuasive but very thorough in sharing the information. Do you care to speak to that? And then Shane. Go ahead, folks. Shane, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it comes to mind, and it's it's one of our talking points here, is that exercise around the, the 20 reasons why your school's awesome, you know? And so well, how this exercise works, and it's a, it's a really good one, is you get your admissions team together, you get your, your staff together, 
and start on a whiteboard just to mark down, hey, what's great about us? Why do people come here? What do they say that is wonderful about us? And start to compile a list. And quickly what happens is you'll run out of ideas after seven or eight, and then it will be a little harder, and then there will be a second wind, and all of a sudden you're going to have a list of 20 or 30 things that um, really demonstrate the value and the, and, and the real story, the, the real impact you make with your students. So Shane, what you're saying is that you take the, like a group and everybody throws down um, seven or eight um, things that, that come to their mind. Probably two-thirds of them are, are overlapping through the group, but collectively everybody chips in and makes a big list. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's right. And, and cool. what will happen is there will be a, a list of 20, 30, maybe more even reasons. And th those, that's the, like the raw material. That's the lumber that starts to help you tell your story in an authentic way, right? Oh. Because it's, it's really empowering for staff because you realize, wow, we're doing some amazing work here. Look at, look at the really good stuff we're doing. I never thought of it this way. That in itself creates energy in the organization, and that energy translates into buzz in all manner of um, overt and inovert ways. But so what you're saying then is you make that list, and then uh, I guess you stick it on everybody's desk so they can give it a quick read at the beginning of each day, and then over the course of, say, a month of repetitively reading those benefits and understanding them, it becomes ingrained? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. It's cool. a version of a gratitude journal, really. Okay. And if, and if you know anything about sort of goal, centered, goal setting and kind of positive outlook and that sort of thing, um, gratitude is one of the kind of hallmarks of an effective, um, well-integrated person, right? Yes. You can foster your sense of gratitude and it, it contributes to happiness and it helps you create more purpose in your life and you know you're you have a, a better relationship with the world if you can adopt that and it's, it's really a version of that so um, Shane yeah uh, I'm uh, grateful that you're my business partner <laughs> me too uh, and hold the thought for just a sec hey Tom are you still on the line no he's left Okay. I, we're grateful to have Tom. Tom's gone off to give a, a, a keynote at a massage school conference, so he's left us now, and uh, we wish him farewell until we see him. You know who else soon. I'm grateful for? Steve? Is our friends, Steve, yes, our friends at Velocify for the wonderful work they do. So, Steve, along those lines, that gratitude and and really having a, a really good full sense of how we benefit the world, whether that's copywriting, whether that is career services, whether that are, those are admissions reps. You, are, you have a big uh, business development piece to your job description. Um, uh, give us your perspective from the job that you do around having all those, like those arrows in your quiver, understanding how you benefit the world. you want to speak to that? Uh, how we how I benefit the world. Well, you know, uh, when you talk about trying to create intimacy, trying to create the the greatest buzz you can for your school or or institution. I mean, all I want to see is all I want to see us do is help help schools 
better distributed inquiries and have a process that's workable and the way that we affect the world is basically the automate process and you know any whatever CRM you're using you, you want to be able to automate it as much as possible but here we we aim to help automate process so that it takes but, but let me just interrupt you, yeah. talk to you. Oh, ahead, I'm please. talking to you as a human personal human being yeah from Shane's talk about how to really build integration uh, of your the how you, you you and your company change, can benefit the world how do you carry that as an indiv individual into your day-to-day -day efforts well I mean I as an individual okay I want to I want to help better people's lives I mean I my I've been in education for 12 years so it, you know in a dozen years of working basically in admissions with everything I've done I just don't think you can be in the in the education space if you don't have a passion for helping people and have a passion for wanting a better society. And I just believe that uh, regardless of whether it's traditional schools, career schools, uh, the betterment of society happens through getting more education, more training. And I've always had a, a strong desire to see people succeed and grow. And so that's my passion. So uh, as an individual, yes, that's that's where I get my my passion and motivation, you know, to, to do the things that I, that I love to do. Now that's a very profound example of a person, a high, highly actualized person, folks, who has taken the, the, the benefits of, of how, when he walks, the, walks this earth, how he benefits people, and he's integrated that into his day-to-day -day, uh, living. Now, Shane, what you're speaking about is an exercise to get allow people to get from where they are to how Steve operates, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's got things, it's got application for like, uh, I don't know, social media, right? You know, we're, we're all trying to tell the story uh, of our school to the people in our social media feeds, our Facebook friends and our Twitter whatever's and the Instagram people and whatnot. And that understanding the value you give, right, especially that comes from the people and isn't dictated just by management, but actually comes from the people on the front lines, understanding that gives you a, a better story to tell on your social media. And the thing, uh. the thing you need to understand about social media is it's not really an advertising tactic. It's a PR tactic. And PR the, the core of PR is around buzz and, and pro, you know, kind of leaving a lasting and positive impression on people. Exactly. PR is a subset of branding, and branding is uh, consumer insurance. You know, you know that brand, you like the brand, you know that it will leave you feeling a certain way, and you know it will leave you with a basket of benefits. It's insurance. So yeah, That's a good way to think about it. Mm -hmm. So now to that end, what's interesting is how so many people in creating buzz through social media um, write in an obtuse way. Um, they write, they, there's a lack of discipline around how people communicate within social media or other means. Um, we've been doing, we've been re all rereading scientific advertising by Claude Hopkins Folks, uh, you should download this. It's a 56-page book that you can get through Gutenberg Press, which is free. But the basic gist of it is that 
when you're uh, creating buzz, um, the person doing so is really an extension of the sales department. And and if you think of your advertising as sales, um, do you want to dress your salesperson up like a clown? Do you want to load them up with stupid jokes? Do you want to go and and create a um, like an obtuse, meandering way of communication that frustrates people? I would I would argue no. I would argue that in the communication you want that communication to be reflective of your top admissions people. Is that a crazy notion, you guys? Uh, Shane, let's start with you. No, no, it's not a crazy notion at all. Um, one of the one one of the reasons we love scientific advertising so much is it was a book that was written, I believe, in 1916, and Claude Hopkins was kind of the godfather of modern advertising. And and the the overarching lesson in that book is that the way people thought and behaved and how they operated in 1916 is pretty much the same as they operated in 2016 and certainly the same as they operate in 2017. And the, the psychology of people, you know, how we're wired and how we perceive the world and our place in it, it hasn't really changed. Now, the, the expression of that's changed, right? Technology has changed how we communicate, but the, the, the heart of the matter, the thing that gets into the soul and the mind of that person that desperately wants a better life but can't figure out how, that has not changed. So it's, it's a powerful lesson in, in history and just understanding human nature. Right. People are inherently, Steve, people are inherently selfish uh, and they want to be right. People who are buying things are like six-year-old children. And um, uh, now we'd never want to tell the CEO of a, $200 million school system that and if someone is on the call with that profile we apologize but consumers are generally six-year-old kids that want their way they want it now they don't want to be told what to do um, and we ha- we have to we have to work to those psychological rules so Steve am I going crazy in the head or what no, you're not going. You're not going crazy in the head. I, I just think you know, listening to what you're saying and what what Shane was saying, uh, the thought process around scientific advertising and that psychologically, uh, folks a hundred years ago operate similar to how people do today, and, and the human nature of how people you know take things in and acquire things. Uh, nothing's changed in terms of the hundred years research. So I, I just. I follow along with what you're saying, and I agree with it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't add any more to that. I think, I think you're on a, on a great, great track there. All right. So to that end, um, the last thing around creating buzz is when you're writing social media or you're producing little videos, don't talk to people like they're idiots. Don't talk to people like they're, you know, in a welfare lineup and you're a, some pinhead bureaucrat processing their, you know, welfare checks. Talk to them like human beings. Talk to them like you would take a friend out to co- for, for a cup of coffee and you're explaining to them this cool new thing you're doing and um, talk to them like a human being, like you're having coffee with them, like a buddy. Um, that is a core theme in writing great copy, wouldn't you say, Shane? Well, it is, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think the other 
part that, that around social media that's a, a liability is um, uh, commodity content. That's what I would characterize it as. So the, mm-hmm. hey, five ways to get ready for a job interview or, you know, the the four hot careers in blah, 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 or whatever. It's like these, these kind of no, no legitimate insight um, other people's ideas just repackaged in a, in a boring way. Like a lot of the social media gets pushed out as content for content's sake. And there was this content marketing was a, a hot idea a couple of years ago. And, and since then it started to fizzle, though people still uh, buy into it. And the idea is that if you can produce so much content that somehow that's going to help you, it's going to make Google love you more and it's going to drive people to your site because they can't wait to read that five tips article that, um, you know, it's just is basically truisms packaged up in a list. And it's just, it's never worked, right? And so the, the kind of, the kind of things that do engage in social media are really the things that just engage period are stories, right? Well, there's, we, we are as human, human beings are wired to understand, understand things through stories and metaphor. And that's the reason songs exist and poems exist and the kind of oral tradition going back to before really there were books. And the stories that you tell, right, that come out of the experiences and the things that you do, that is what creates excitement and energy because we see another a story that a person, if, with a person we can relate to and say, gosh, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's what creates empowerment and, and really gets prospects excited. Yeah, I know. There, like as an example, there was the the story of the um, the the guy that went crazy and uh, and he went and and went on this big crazy car chase and wiped out a bunch of cop cars. And then they went and the the psychologists went and did a pre-trial assessment and realized that when he was a little boy. Um, his mother would read him stories, but she was an accountant that worked in a government department, and she read the stories to the boy as if he was just some fellow bureaucrat, and he went crazy. Did you know that? I did not know that. Okay. Greg, it's Steve. Steve. I just wanted to bring a point real fast on stories and metaphors leading to successful uh, engagements for people. I, I, we were just at the CQ conference uh, a month or so ago and uh, talking to uh, uh, a client executive. They were saying that their, their number one source for enrolled students is referrals. And if you think about what a referral is, it's really somebody that's telling a story or you know, a, a, a super event happening in their life to somebody else that they know and trust and telling them the story of how they got there. And so you, you talk about that kind of thought process around enrollment and changing lives. And I just wanted to, I thought there was a tie there to, that I was just thinking about that I wanted to just bring up and, and mention about, about that point. So to that point, your best, uh, one of your best sources of new business within a school <laughs> is to go and create really warm, deep relationships with the 100 largest employers of your grads for um, every person that a, a company hires they have a hundred people who they really like but can't hire because their their training is not 
uh, available. But if they, the employers trust you as a, uh, a training source, they will open the vaults and go, here's a bunch of people that could definitely use training. And if we had the training, we'd love to hire them. And so in terms of marketing, marketing to your employers and having your employers of your grads loving you has the added value of opening up the vault in terms of people they almost want to hire. So, as Shane, as you say, you, you want to zig when everyone's zagging. Well, everybody's focusing on these crappy third-party Internet leads. The smart people go and make deep friendships with the employers and get tons of referrals. You want to expand on that? Yeah, uh, yes, I do. So, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> just stalling to collect my thoughts. Uh, the, you know, like education is a pretty interesting business in that your customer ends up being your product, right? You know, the student that you're trying to right. get through, once they're enrolled, they become the product. And, and the real, in a way, the real customer in the whole thing is the employers, right? Because without, mm. without them, you're done. And so the way the, the the way that you engage employers is to understand their needs, and all sorts of opportunities emerge out of that. Your programs that uh, you know fulfill unfilled needs is one of them. Uh, referrals from employee uh, potential employees that hey, they, well I'd love to hire you, but you don't have the skills. But hey, go go to Greg's school there, and and then we can talk kind of lateral referrals, um, really credibility in the market. Uh, Tom, Tom's uh, former school did an awesome job of this. They partnered with all sorts of like, name brand large employers in the automotive sector, and it gave them a ton of credibility with prospects, right? Because, you know, BMW and Ford and whoever else was basically endorsing them by virtue of uh, um, part, being partners with them. So that's so, called uh, brand writing. That's a that's right. Tactic. Yeah, brand writing, yeah. which is yeah, you know, basically leveraging the rep reputation of a larger business and getting the uh, benefit as you know, it's kind of your 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 reflection of your friends. Right. Yeah. You know, Shane, you and I having Steve as a friend really goes and raises our profile. Absolutely. Our, <laughs> Steve and our good friend. You know, I, I think that goes the other way around, guys. <laughs> Definitely do. So we're going to flip uh, into, we're going to lay down for people on the call half a dozen hardcore little tips now. You've got the buzz. You've got the interest. Now, how do we, how do we bang that into a lead? So, um, Shane, I'm going to do some rapid fire with you here um, for, let's see, about 10, 15 minutes um, and give the folks here some some very, you know, we've done some good philosophical talk between the three or four of us, and now we're going to bang down on some tips, some hardcore tips here for the folks in the call. So I'll kickstart it, and then you guys can speak to it. Mostly Shane there, Steve, so have a enjoy, enjoy your coffee there. So, okay, mobile represents about 70% of digital traffic. Care to expand? Yeah. So what that means is they're, they're looking at your stuff on their phones, not on their desktops. In some cases, most people don't have, even have desktops. 
And so all you know, for a website, all that work that goes into designing the thing to look great on your, you know, twenty-four inch monitor at work is pointless. And the and so there's um, a thing called responsive design, which is what uh, basically the, the website kind of changes based on the device that it's being viewed on. You have to think about um, how you tell your story in a way that's going to work um, that doesn't only rely on visual things, right? Because your phone is so small, the responsive design, you, you lose a bunch of the photos and it doesn't have the impact it does on a computer. And that's just reality. And it, mobile has been increasing as a percentage of viewership every year, you know, really since the iPhone was launched. So um, that's important. And there's different things that work between desktop and mobile to help generate a lead. And I'll give you an example. So on, on a sort of a desktop view, you know, we, we heavily promote the form. And we've always found that if you put a form on your website, you put on all the pages, you're more likely to generate a lead. It's the reputation. Right, right. Yeah. You can't do that on a phone. It's just going to take up the whole real estate. So right. we've tested lots of different approaches, and we found that a little button at the bottom that kind of was static and always was there, that inquiry button that would bring up a little uh, form overlay, worked, works well to create that kind of same effect. But, you, but it's a different, same website, two different tactics based on the, what somebody's looking at it on. Right. Interesting. Huh. Okay. So what you're saying is responsive design is, is absolutely key when you make a website. That would be our first tip here. Yeah, and, and having, sometimes people will create two different webs, like I've got my mobile site and my regular site, and, right. they, and they're built technically as two different things. Mm. That, that's a nightmare to manage, and it's always a worse tactic. So um, it's, don't do that. Good, okay, next one. Okay, I find this one really interesting, and that is, what people don't realize is that in marketing and sales, you're working within a tiny canvas. So what I mean by a tiny canvas is uh, on a radio ad, you have maybe five to ten seconds to hook somebody in to listen to the rest of the radio ad intently, or they just blur white noise. Uh, on a print advertising or landing page, you basically have the headline, which uh, and then with um, Steve, I'll, I'll, t I'll talk to you in a moment on this, but in the sales or admissions side, they are judging you within whether they trust you or not within seven or eight seconds, which buys you 30 seconds, which buys you two minutes, which buys you a half an hour. So I guess um, this is a massive tip, and that is if you don't get your hooks, if you don't get your headlines right, all that downstream stuff you do is you might as well just throw it in the garbage because it's not going to get looked at. So that's a crazy statement in a way. Uh, Shane, you want to talk to this first and then Steve-O? Yeah, I'm going to give you an example. Right now I've just I've brought up another test we're currently running, and it's a headline test for a landing page for an acting school in Vancouver. And the control, so the, the, the one we're trying to beat, the headline uh, is, Hey, get the skills to be a professional actor. Ready to do what you love. Get more information on acting training in Vancouver, and then there's the four. 
for these guys, the majority of their traffic's mobile. And so how the landing page is structured is that headline sits above the form, and then they scroll down and can read the rest of the stuff. That's the control. The, um, uh, the t one we're testing, the headline is, uh, do you have the guts to be a real working actor in TV and movies? Practical acting training with no filler from real working actors. And then the form. That's the only thing that's different between the two landing pages. Okay. Uh, care to hazard a guess which one's winning? The second one? Yeah, the second one by 45%. So no way. 40, 45.7%. It's generating 45.7% uh, more inquiries. And the only thing that's different between those two pages is that headline. The word guts. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's, um, you know, the reason, you know, part of testing is you got to figure out, okay, what, why? What's the why underneath the what? And, and the why we think in this particular test is that um, acting or culinary or graphic design, web design, um, uh, game design, those kind of things are kind of avocation programs. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're programs people aspire to do, and there's a lot of anxiety around it. Oh, can I, can't I? And so the tough love kind of, hey, do you have the guts to be a real working actor in TV and movies? That kind of confrontational tough love um, kind of channels the hell yeah I do kind of response, right? I think this headline would work equally well in culinary. Do you have the guts to be a real chef in a five-star restaurant? Or, do you have the guts to be a world-class cosmetologist? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that and it, it kind of triggers that, um, you know, yeah, I can. You know, it's like you, you get, in the, get in the hard talk by a friend and you go, yeah, you know what, you're right. And so the, this, the headlines, like, I don't know, we've been through so many cycles of this. And uh, we do a lot of professional development with our staff. And, you know, we, we seek out best practice everywhere we can find it. And in years past, it, it, like industry conferences we'll go to to, to try to mine for um, new insights and what's different, there, there's been heavy emphasis on gadgets or widgets, right? Hey, try this widget and it's going to, you know, generate a bunch of leads for you. Hey, this little tech, new technology is going to solve all your problems. But what's happening is that there's not these new gadgets anymore because they haven't been the panacea that people expected. Right? They, you know, they help, but they're not a solution in and of themselves. And there's a movement back now to good old-fashioned copywriting as the thing that has greatest impact on conversion rates. That's interesting. It is. So, copywriting is how you tell your story. Right. It's just a written version of a conversation in a cafe with a person. Yeah. And now what's interesting What's really powerful is there's nothing worse than being on a webinar and having the proponents hold back the, the magic, the magic beans, you know. And what we can say to the folks here is you guys out on the call can test your own headlines. So um, it's, it's, it, people can do it themselves, right, Shane? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean – yeah, we'd love to help you, of course, uh, if you don't have the time. But you guys can well, do that yourself. 
well, no, it's more than that. But writing clear, persuasive, interesting things is really hard, right? It's 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 everyone can write. Not everyone can write a killer headline that's going to increase the, the amount of leads off your website by 45.7%. And so you, you have to either choose to hone that skill or seek out help somewhere. Yeah. Here's what I would say, though, as a kind of a codicil to what your, your, your accurate point, and that is that if somebody was really tight on budget um, and they wanted to do it themselves through trial and error, after six or seven attempts at beating a control headline, the odds are pretty high that they'll improve things. Now, maybe it's 15% instead of 45. But um, it's something that people can do themselves in a pinch. In other words, six or seven renditions, and uh, you know, people will fluke onto something, more or less. So, yeah. Now, Steve-O. Um, I remember I learned through trial and error that, like, I'm taller, and I would go into a meeting, uh, and if the if the person I was opposite from was 5'8 or shorter, I'd have a hell of a time. So what I learned through trial and error is if I, I saw that the person I was engaging with was shorter, I would do some clumsy thing. I trip on the carpet or, you know, just make myself look a bit dopey to even out the power relationship because a lot of these folks have, like, a short person issues. And, and I found that to be very effective in terms of making that first point of contact, the first eight to ten seconds. Now, that sounds, I guess, in a way horribly manipulative, but it does. I'm just speaking to the fact that in admissions, the um, people have the same same small little canvas they have to work through. They have to go and and bear down and and connect with people quickly and right off the hop if they want to have a shot at having meaningful conversations downstream. Do you, from your personal experience, do you want to just speak to this for a moment? Sure, sure. I mean, I you know when they talk about the hook and the messaging, those are marketing tactics. Those are marketing processes. You know, when it comes to executing at a, at a rep to prospect or student level, you, you need to think about those eight to 10 seconds. And one of the things that I've observed and going on to a lot of campuses over the years, uh, doing site visits, sitting with admissions personnel, uh, if it was a phone call, it would come in and, you know, you'd be surprised about this, but it's a small thing that can go a long ways. I've seen admissions advisors with mirrors at their desk, and they simply are smiling into the mirror while they're talking to the prospect on the other end of the phone. And you can just see that by creating an automatic smile into a mirror, that's going to translate over to the conversation they're having over the phone with somebody, and you can feel, and you can feel that smile come over the phone. So that's just one thing that I've noticed over the years that I've found interesting to me that, uh, smart admissions advisors have done to create that uh, the, uh, that feeling that comes through the phone, if you will. And as far as uh, when you talk about you being tall and somebody being five foot eight, you know uh, that would be me, by the way. Uh, oh, oh. You're talking to, you're talking about mirroring, uh, you know, and you want to you want to do your best in meetings to uh, try to 
emulate what the, the person across from you is doing. If they've got their hands or, you know, in a certain position, you might want to try to mirror that. Those are, those are concepts that have been talked about for, you know, 50 to 75 years. They're, they're somewhat true. I believe you need to do that. So you, you focus on mirroring and trying to mimic the person that's sitting across from you to make them feel comfortable. So I would go along with that as well, that, yes, that, that makes sense to do, and I've found it to be effective in, in uh, meeting environments myself. So just a few thoughts right. as we have about eight minutes to go. Yeah, so here's one more thing then is uh, along those lines, and it speaks to both what both you guys are talking about, and that is around do not lying. So now admissions reps are, are viewed with skepticism by many because they're viewed as um, – People have sales prejudice, right? So they automatically assume that a landing page or an ad is lying. They automatically assume that an admissions rep is lying until the copy proves otherwise, the human proves otherwise. And a tremendous tactic that takes 30 seconds is to basically re remove the sales prejudice. And, um, and how you do that is you tell people what you're going to do to them. You, in other words, set the agenda. And in doing so, then you eliminate the fear of the unknown in terms of the prospect. So uh, you can do this with copy and you can do this interpersonally. And that is, hey, today in our meeting, we're going to talk about this, 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 this. Uh, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to gain some clarity about your life um, and anything you want to add in. And so you negotiate that. You take that dark alley they have to walk down, and you put a big floodlight down and uh, so people can see, oh, it's safe down there. And then rather than having that reticence in reading the copy or the reticence in talking to the person, they open their heart, and they, they will uh, connect in much earlier, and that creates engagement. Make sense? Yeah, it makes great sense. Yeah. Hey, you know what, you guys? I think we're at the end of our time. Um, I think what we can do here is if anybody on the call would like to uh, ask any questions of Steve, Shane, or I, uh, just press star six, and uh, you get some free consulting on this topic. Uh, next week, we're going to be moving on to the next part of the enrollment management process, which is Steve's going to be driving this one uh, largely, is how to create a culture uh, that really is success, obsesses about how to create a positive first impression, how to connect with people, how to connect with them on the phone, how to engage with them at that first point of contact. And um, so that's next week, and invite all your friends for that. But in the meantime, do we have any questions? So if you want to ask a question, just press star six on your phone and pipe up. We'll wait a few seconds, and if we don't hear from anybody, we'll just say goodbye. Ready, go. One, two, three, four. Hi, this is Valerie Hi. with New England Tractor Trailer Training School in Summers, Connecticut. Hi, Valerie. Hi. Uh, this, I got a t tremendous amount out of this presentation, even though I'm the director of placement, job placement. Um, uh, I have a job placement people story. I'll tell you in a sec. Okay. Well, my, my question was, 
more about the, the messaging culture just from the, the very beginning and um, keeping people positive. Um, I'm not even sure how I want to phrase that. Oh, spit it out. Just whatever comes to your mind. Okay. Well, um, you, you talk about being positive right from the get-go and um, being authentic. And how do we how do we do that? You know, what's what's the best way to be authentic? Just be authentic, honey. <laughs> Can I, Greg, can I tackle this? Can I take a shot at this one? Yeah, far sure. away. Okay. So quick story. So, uh, I don't know, five years ago, I did a, a workshop in Seattle uh, with through the uh, Washington State Association. It was for career services people. It was a half-day workshop on kind of marketing, and it was, uh, you know, basically marketing to employers. And, I, you know, I didn't know a lot about those folks, and I wasn't sure if this was going to be a remedial class or it's kind of marketing 101 class or what. And as I got into it, I quickly realized that those career services people were amongst the best copywriters I'd ever taught in a workshop. They were awesome at it. And so we did an exercise around, okay, what's the employer want? You know, what pain are we solving for them? What, what, is the, what value do they get out of what we do? And they, we had people kind of write headlines and, and, and write down some ideas that could be used in an email or, a, you know, a fax out possibly or, you know, any outreach to a new employer where you're trying to introduce the school and, and help create a context for how you can help them. And they were really good at it. So in, in terms of how do you establish value, keep people positive, or how you keep people positive is you find a way to communicate value that they're excited about and that they get a good, a good response from the employers. Right. So if you, you know, get your team together and brainstorm, hey, how do we help them? What is it the thing and how do we communicate that in a clear way? How do we write a killer headline around how we can help them? And you do that and then they start to get better response from employers because the employers are like, yeah, awesome. This is a problem. Thank you for helping me solve it. That creates the positivity, right? Because they're not getting mm-hmm. no's and they're not getting not, their calls not returned and they're not having to you know, effort so hard to get the result you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it does. Yeah, career services people, natural-born copywriters, I swear. <laughs> cool. Did that help you a little bit? I think so. Cool. Just um, unleash your inner copywriter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's not a problem. Good. Um, anybody else want to jump on um, with a question? Just press star six, and we're happy to help you as best we can. No? Okay. You know what? You guys, I think we're done for today, and uh, next week we're going to uh, resurface, and we're going to talk about the first um, point of contact, which is otherwise known as the, the chasm of death to hell, in that it, the first point of contact is where marketing ends and admissions begins, and there's so much, so much leakage of revenue that happens right there. We're going to teach people how to go in and uh, stop that leakage. Steve, any final words? or 
No, I thought, I thought today's session was uh, great, very informative, philosophical. Um, looking forward to next week and hope everybody can join us and tell their friends. Groovy. Shane, any final words? Uh, no, uh, just thank everyone for coming and sorry for the noise at the beginning. You know. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Technology. All right, folks, uh, we'll say farewell. Feel free to call us if you want to drill down on any of it, and uh, we'll see you next week. All the best. This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.